Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. You know, when churches gather, they often uh, profess uh, what they believe, and they often use a creed, sometimes the Apostles' Creed, right? And the Apostles' Creed, most of you are somewhat familiar with it, I believe in God the Father Almighty, right, creator of heaven and earth, and I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, right, crucified, dead, and buried, I believe in the Holy Spirit, so we, we state um, together, but we don't stop there, do we? That's not all we say. In that same creed, we say, I believe in the Holy Church. The church is just as much a part of Christianity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I asked the question um, this morning, do you believe in the church? So let's stand. I'm going to read from God's um, word. If you would stand, we show honor and deference um, to God as he speaks. We uh, bring ourselves to full attention. John 17, I'm going to read from. It is one of the, um, some, some scholars have said it, it, it really is sort of the holy of holies of the whole Bible. So in John 17, Jesus, it's the night before his, is the night of his arrest. Uh, by the end of the next day, he will be in a tomb. He will be in a, in a cave, buried and dead. This is the last night of his earthly life. He's gathered with, his, uh, with, the, with the disciples. And he actually prays to the Father. And, uh, and we have it in the Bible. I mean, it's like the most intimate um, thing that Jesus ever does. And we actually have it. We have the words. And I'm going to read a portion of it. I'm going to start at the sixth verse The passage starts, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, I have manifested, Father, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I come from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them, I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, Father, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one. Isn't that amazing? So here's the picture. As Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, the the Trinity, this is what he longs for his church to be, right? To be this incredible oneness, this incredible unity and mutual affection for one another. Jesus is praying this right before he goes to the cross, right? He says, Father, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given Uh, me I have guarded them and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled but now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world 
I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Listen to this now, he says. I do not ask for these only, in other words, the ones he's in the room with, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's that? That's you. He's praying for you. Right before he dies, he's praying for you. Here's his prayer. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Father, may it be so. May you make them the church in this place, in every place, a beautiful reflection of who you are, that people who walk in would get a taste of what it would be like um, to know you and belong to you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Be seated, please, would you? I want to tell you a love uh, story. It's Mother's Day. I want to tell you of the love of a mother, a love uh, that I experienced uh, from the earliest days of my life and a love that I experience um, still. And I want you to love um, that mother too. That mother is called the church. The church. Do you love the church? Um, I've loved the church uh, my whole life, my earliest memories found in the church. Matter of fact, I don't really remember that much of, you know, the earliest, earliest days, you know, when you're a toddler. I don't think most of us do, but I do remember the nursery at the church. They had the best blocks in the nursery, and I couldn't wait to get there every week or get in there and build stuff. We could build stuff taller than us and all over the room, these amazing blocks, plus they had juice and, and vanilla wafers. And, um, and I, I can remember, I don't remember my mother holding me much as a um, child. There were, there were six children. I was the fifth. I think she was tired of that. Uh, or maybe it was just me. Um, but the one place I remember it distinctly is every Sunday I fell asleep in church. They didn't have that thing called kindergarten through second graders go to, you know, they didn't have children's church back in the day, Right. Your mother's lap was children's church. And, uh, and I can remember stretched out in the pew, my head on my mother's lap, sleeping my way through every sermon. <laughs> try it, try it. Well, some of you elderly men do that every week. So um, the church, um, I can remember getting in trouble in, uh, in church all the time. Uh, I can remember during communion, um, you know, we'd pass the tray, you get the little cup, you know, you drink it. And my friend Dan, um, um, you know, took the cup and flicked it ahead about six rows and hit Sylvia Foyt right in the back of the head um, during communion. And as soon as he flicked that cup, Dan went like this. And Sylvia whipped around, and there I was. She immediately told my parents after church and... Uh, I wasn't seen for years after, uh, after that. Um, I got kicked out of church, I remember, for laughing with my friends. Um, listen, the church um, shaped me through sorrow. Um, when my Sunday school teacher committed suicide, 
Um, I actually, they asked me to teach the class. I began teaching Sunday school in ninth grade. Um, I was shaped through um, scandal. The pastor I had, the senior pastor of our church from uh, almost all of my childhood, and when I was a teenager, it was revealed he'd had multiple um, extramarital relationships. Um, uh, I was shaped through, and I remember thinking, why doesn't why do good leaders all go into business and they become physicians and whatever and why don't why don't why doesn't the church of Jesus deserve healthy leadership um, the church shaped has shaped my whole life in service missions trips um, and in generosity when I was a senior graduating from high school I said to my dad there's a church in West Virginia And I have the chance to go there and be an assistant to the pastor for the whole summer. I'm 17 years old. And I said, Dad, I want to go. And he said, you're going to college and I'm not paying for it all, so you're going to get a job. And and I said, what if the church pays me? And he said, well, okay, I guess. And... um, uh, but they didn't have any money. They didn't have any money. I could come and do this, but it was volunteer. They didn't have any money. It was a little church in in Upper Glade, West Virginia. And... um, and then a couple weeks later, the church called up and said, you know, we got the money after all, you come. And I went there and I started preaching, 17 years old. It wasn't until a couple years later I discovered what? That a man in our church had sent the money up to West Virginia uh, so that the church could turn around and pay me. I didn't even know that. Um, but that acts of generosity like that um, shaped my life, the church. You know, I love the church of Jesus Christ. I always have. Um, and the kindness and grace of God, I hope I always will. But uh, not everybody feels that way, do they? Um, lots of people have had sour experiences, painful experiences with church. My wife and I were in Pittsburgh, and we um, hopped in a cab from the airport. Um, and uh, the cabbie was talkative, and he said, why, why, uh, why are you in town? And I told him the meeting. He said, that sounds like a religious thing. I said, yeah. He said, what's your vocation? I said, I'm a pastor. He said, oh, so am I. So am I. And uh, I said, what, you know, what, what church, what brand? And he said, oh, I'm not, uh, I'm not involved in the church. I don't go to church. Uh, I don't intend to ever go to church again. And, and, and that began the entire cab ride of his spilling his vitriolic um, experiences with churches. And he said, um, I'm a Christian. I want to stay a Christian. So I will never have anything to do with the church for the rest of my um, life. Um, I want to tell you something this morning. Uh, whatever your experience is, it's a good idea to love what Jesus loves, and he loves the church. St. Cyprian said, this is like, you know, 17, 1800 years ago, St. Cyprian said, um, you cannot, no man can have God as his father if he has not the church as his, you're apparently not familiar with St. Cyprian. Um, <laughs> No man can have God as his father if he will not have the church as his mother. So, it's Mother's Day. Let's talk about the great mother of God's people for 2,000 years, the church. And my prayer this morning is that you will love your mother. Got it? All right, here we go. What are the, what, what, what are the marks of the church? We, we read this at the beginning of the service, this catechism. Now let's read it again together. Here's the the answer to the question, what is the church? God chooses, why don't you read it with me? 
God chooses and preserves for himself a community elected for eternal life and united by faith who love, follow, learn from, and worship God together. God sends out this community to proclaim the gospel and prefigure Christ's kingdom by the quality of their life together and their love for one another. Awesome. So let's talk about it together. Got a sermon outline right there in your worship folder. Maybe that'll help. Um, What is the church, the marks of the church? The word church derives from the word kyrios, which means Lord. Um, Kyrios, the kirk, the church. Um, It is the people of the Lord, right? Those who belong to the Lord. The church is God's people, God's family, God's body, the bride of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the elect, the saints, the children of God. God said to Moses I, uh, of the Israelites, I will be your God and you will be what? My people. God is going to have a people, right? That's what the church is. It's the people of God and the Bible says it is the apple of his eye. Just like your children are for you. So the church the apple of God's eye, his people, his children. The so three things I want to say about marks of the church. The first is the, the, the people of the church are, are beloved. That should mark a church community because we are well-loved. We are the people the Father gave to the Son to love and rescue, right? What does it say in John 17? Read the passage, the one I just read this morning. Jesus praying says, I have manifested your name, Father, to the people whom you what? Gave me. You gave me these people out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word, and I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. From eternity past, God set his love on you. Before the world was made, God set his love on you. But then when we wandered away from God, we had to be rescued, and God sent his son into the world. That's what Jesus is praying. You gave them to me. You gave them to me to rescue. We are the rescued people. We share the mutual experience of being rescued. I remember hearing, remember remember Sully, the pilot, takes off out of LaGuardia, a bunch of geese decide to dive into the engines of the plane, right? And uh, instantly he says, this plane's not gonna fly, and this amazing pilot, you remember this? Remember this? He lands his plane in the Hudson River, right? And, and everybody survives. It's the most astounding thing. And, uh, and I heard that they get together every year, right? Because they have this mutual experience of they should be dead, but they are what? They're alive. And they've experienced it together. This is what the church is. We are the, this, this loved group of people who have been rescued. The Father um, has done it. And at great price, we read in the book of Acts as um, Paul is departing from Ephesus and he's, cha- and, he's, and he's saying to the elders, the leaders of the church there, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, that beautiful, the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with what? His blood. Jesus paid for the church with his own death, with his own blood. He rescued us. So the church should be marked by a security that's, um, that's experienced by our you know, utterly undeserved uh, mutual experience of God's radical adoptive love. He chose us. He rescued us. Um, he died for us, and he will never 
let us go. So a church should be marked by a people who are secure and at rest because they are the beloved. They have a father. They're not orphans anymore. They have a family. They're loved and secure. Their eternity is forever. They have a God who cares about them, who walks with them, who watches over them, who's good to them, right? Richard Lovelace wrote a book, Changed My Life. This is something he said, Christians who are not sure that God loves and accepts them in Jesus, apart from their present spiritual achievements, in other words, a great deal of people in church only think they're loved by God if they're good. That the love of God is merited by their good behavior. Lovelace says, Christians who are not sure that God loves and accepts them in Jesus, unless they're earning it, are subconsciously, radically insecure persons, much less secure than non-Christians. That's why non-Christians a lot of times are a lot more fun than church people. Plus they drink more. Um, Their insecurity shows itself in pride, a fierce defensive assertion of their own righteousness and criticism of others. When people do not build their lives on their standing in the gospel, they're insecure, guilt-ridden, defensive, quarreling, selfish, inward-looking, and afraid. That's the way a lot of people in our culture would describe what? The church or church people. So what's the, what's the key? It's to understand who we are, right? The church, the church secure, deep security. Marsha Linehan was a tormented soul. Marsha Linehan is in her 70s now. She's a professor emeritus from the University of Washington. She's a national expert on dealing with people who have serious chronic suicidal impulses. Um, something that uh, a personality disorder considered to be um, irredeemable. And the reason she became an expert was it was her experience. She remembers feeling as a child uh, the desire to kill herself from the time uh, of her earliest childhood. She felt utterly worthless, inadequate. Her siblings were all gifted and talented and beautiful. Um, She wanted to exit this world. She was filled with self-hatred, self-loathing. At 17, she was institutionalized. She became the sole occupant of the seclusion room where they put the most severely ill patient they had. Uh, She attacked herself habitually. She burned herself with cigarettes. She slashed her arms and legs, her midsection. Any sharp object she could get her hands on They had to take all the furniture out of the room, so she did the only thing that made sense to her. She banged her head against the wall and the floor. She did it hard. She did it all the time. Misery, 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 hopeless, despair, broken, ruined life. When she got out, after two years... The the hospital said during 26 months of hospitalization, Miss Linehan was for a considerable part of this time one of the most disturbed patients in the hospital. When she was released, she tried to commit suicide a number of times. So what happened? What happened? She started to go to college at, uh, at Loyola in Chicago. And she said one day she walked into the chapel there because it was a quiet place. Nobody else was ever there. 
And she said, one day she knelt in front of the cross and she just stared at it. And in the midst of staring at the cross, she said, I believed. I believed. She said, and I experienced the radical acceptance from God. I experienced the love of Jesus Christ and it completely changed my life. That's us. That's us. You've the rescued. We have experienced the radical acceptance of Jesus Christ though we don't deserve it, we'll never deserve it, we don't merit it. We've merited exactly the opposite. We've been loved. That's the church. That's what's uh, supposed to be uh, the experience. We are the beloved people. Secondly, I want to say that, that the church is Christ-centric. We love the one who first loved us. What do we say? God chooses and preserves himself for himself, a community elected for eternal life who love, follow, learn from, and worship God together. We love God together. We love him because he first loved us. You love your mother because she first loved you. You didn't love her first, right? We love to worship him. We love to sing his praises. Something's changing us. We love Jesus, not because we're good or virtuous, but because of his love for us. So this week, the video of the week was a little girl going for her first communion. Got on a beautiful white dress. She looks like she's about six years old. She goes forward to the priest with her hands. He puts, you know, the wafer in her hands, and then he offers her the common cup. Here it is. Body of Christ. All's going so well. The blood of Christ. Cup of wine. Just a sip. The priest is a little worried. Well, drinky all of it. Her mother said uh, she was pretty talkative at dinner that night and she's never slept better a day in her life. That's the, that's, the, that's the church is we want Jesus and we want all of Jesus and we want more of Jesus, right? Um, his body, his blood, his person broken for us. Jesus is the center and therefore his church is the center of our lives. See, we are self-centric. We think life revolves around us. That's the way we look at the world. So we think that, just think that, that uh, so we, we, we're the hub and there's spokes that go off from the hub. And so there's our vocation. That's a part of our life. That's a big chunk of life, isn't it? And, uh, and then there's our family. Now perhaps there's a, you know, our spouse, our, uh, our children. Um, and then there's uh, maybe our, our exercise, our health. Then there's all our home responsibility. We have all these different factors of our life, right? Um, recreation, golf, fishing, whatever, uh, travel. Um, and so we're at the center, and all these different parts of our life claim a, a certain part of us. That's not it. Jesus is the center. And all those parts of our life 
all relate to Jesus. Jesus and his church are at the center. So that my marriage relates to Jesus and my vocation relates to Jesus and his church and, uh, and, and my, um, my finances relate to Jesus and his church and my recreation relates to Jesus and his church. Jesus and the church aren't just one little spoke of my life. They're at the center. They're at the, 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 the crossroads of all of my life. Does that make sense to you? It's a completely different way of looking at life. It's, it's how God captures us and captures our heart. We had a family just move here. You know, it, it strikes me that for years and years I've heard people who move from a community and, and almost always they move because they take a job somewhere else. And very often they get there and they discover and then they work on where they're going to live, right? And then they work on what neighborhood they're going to live in or what school they're going to put their kids in. And then when they get everything else handled, then they think about what? Um, and very often they write back and say, we can't find a church anywhere. And I wonder why it was way down the list of priorities. It wasn't at the hub. What if, what if being involved, we, we, we just had a family move here. They gave up their jobs. They moved further from their family. And they moved here because of the church. Because they said, church matters more. Church will affect our vocational life Church will affect our, our marriage. Church is more important than our marriage than anything else. Church is more important for our children's eternity than anything else. Church is the most important thing. Do you love the church? Well, that's the mark of the church. Um, people are, are uh, wild about Jesus. Can I tell you, there's a loneliness epidemic among children in our culture, everybody's writing about it. It has a lot to do with the cell phone um, world. It's, a, it's an epidemic of loneliness like we've never seen in our culture. I just wanna say moms, dads, the best thing you can give your children is a love for the church because they won't always have you. You'll be gone someday, but they'll have the church their whole life. The church will be their mother. The church will walk them home. The church will walk them to death. The church will walk them through the, the horrors of this world. Church will walk them through divorce and brokenness and hardship and disease and everything else. Give them the church as their mother. It's the greatest gift. And then last of all, the church is a learning people, right? A people who want God, who want the truth, we want to know his word, right? John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth that Jesus prays to the Father because your word um, is truth. There are people hungry to know, right? Remember the confession we read? God chooses and preserves for himself a community elected for eternal life who love, follow, and learn from and worship God um, together. Um, we want the truth. We're, hung, we're people of the book. We're like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking up what we can. The church is a people um, who, um, who, you know, who catechize their children, right? Think of our children. Think of thrusting our children out into the culture in which we lived and how lost they would be. Psalm 1 says it's not uh, without reason that it's the first psalm of all the psalms. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. This is what we want for our kids. Rooted, strong tree, knowing what they believe, having truth in their heart while our world goes crazy, right? Um, Gosh, to give your kids, um, read the Bible. God's people study the Bible, they read the Bible, they go to Bible studies, they go to groups, they listen to podcasts. Um, So, you know, Marv Levy. Marv Levy was the Hall of Fame coach for the Buffalo Bills. Marv uh, Levy did something I don't think, I'm not sure anyone else has done in pro football. He took his team to the Super Bowl four straight years for Buffalo. Do you know how important that would be in Buffalo? Some of you have lived in Buffalo. Um, There's no reason to live in Buffalo, (laughs) except for the wings. Um, and, And the hope of Buffalo that they would win the Super Bowl and yet all four times they lost. It's so buffalo-ish. And, um, and you know, uh, so they said to Marv Levy, they said, you won so many important games, but you never won the must-win, you know, the must-win um, game. And uh, Marv Levy looked at him and said, a football game is never must-win. It's just a football game. He said, World War II, that was must-win, Right? getting your children catechized, filling their hearts with the truth of God's word. That's the must win for parents. Getting your children to Jesus is the must win of life. Not a great retirement, right? Not a great house, not a Tesla, not um, whatever else, right? Not traveling the world over. The must win, get my babies to Jesus, right? So let me just say this, the end of this point, we, we are the people of God, but we're not a perfect people, <laughs> and we're not even as good as advertised. We're not even as good as we think we are. Um, the last time I preached on this, when I walked in uh, over there a couple years ago into the children's area before church, some kid had vomited in the children's area. Now, that's disgusting. Um, but there's vomit where it's like a little erp and something comes out, you know, and then there's vomit where you kind of really unload. This was neither of those. I, it looked like a kid had blown up. Um, <laughs> this was like tape off the building, bring in a hazmat crew. This is Chernobyl right over there. Declare the area unsafe for 75-year uh, experience. And, uh, and I remember thinking, I'm one of the first people here. Everybody else who comes, they're going to have to walk right they're going to, they're going to, you know, this is going to be their first experience of the church. And then it just struck me, that's really appropriate. <laughs> um, because we're a mess. And um, listen, if you're a mess, then I just got to say, you might really find yourself fitting in quite nicely. We, we are not a perfect people, but we have experienced perfection. We have experienced the perfect love of Jesus. As messy as we are, he loves us. He loves the church. Do you? So last point then, what's the mission of the church? The mission of the church is to proclaim the gospel, right? Um, Jesus said, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Go tell the world, the rightful king, has come.
This is the mission of Jesus. Everywhere he went, the Bible says, when he first was baptized, when he first started um, in ministry as an adult, the Bible says that everywhere he went, through all the villages of Galilee, he preached the gospel of the, what's the next word? Kingdom. The kingdom of God. And then he healed all their diseases, right? And he cast out their demons. So you know the story of Robin Hood? Right? The story of Robin Hood is that um, King Richard um, goes off to fight their crusades. And in his absence, Prince John, the evil Prince John, usurps um, the, uh, the kingdom. And so there are resistors, right? And one of them is named Robin of Loxley. And Robin of Loxley and his men seek safe refuge in the what? Sherwood Forest. Thank you. Last night they didn't say a thing. I thought... What kind of pastor am I? They don't know Robin Hood. Um, so they hide in the Sherwood um, Forest, and there uh, they emerge fighting the tyranny of uh, Prince John wherever they can. And then suddenly one day, a, 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 a mendicant beggar, friar, is coming through um, the forest, and Robin uh, leaps on him and, and presses his sword to his neck. And, um, and uh, the friar takes off his... Um, cloak and opens um, his garment and there is the um, the, the lion uh, of royalty and Robin falls on his knees because um, King Richard has returned. The rightful king has returned to claim what belongs to him. You got it? Robin falls on his knees and worships my liege, right? Um, that's who we are. We're Robin Hood. We are the servants of the rightful king. This world has been usurped by the evil one. That's why Jesus comes into the world. That's why everywhere he goes, he says, I've come to preach the gospel of what? The kingdom. The king is claiming, again, what belongs to him. So what is the mission of the church? We are those who live in a world that's been usurped by an evil one, but we're going out as, as Robin of Loxley's. Everyone, isn't that awesome? That's what you get to be if you're in the church, Robin Hood. Everywhere there's darkness, you bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and you press the light into the darkness. That's why we stand here on Christmas Eve every year with candles held up high, right? Because the light is coming to the darkness and the darkness will not prevail against the light. That's what we give our lives to. That's what the church is all about. And everybody's called to the mission. Isn't that what you love about Ukraine? Listen, in Ukraine, they're not, they're not writing symphonies. They're not making uh, products. They're not, they've got something else. They're all on mission. They've got one mission. Doesn't matter whether you're a farmer. Doesn't matter whether you're a, a baker. Doesn't matter whether uh, you're a flight stewardess. Doesn't matter whether you're 85 years old. Doesn't matter whether you're a 15-year-old boy. You're on mission, right? They've got one mission. So does the church. Bring the healing love of Jesus to broken people in broken places. Her name's Kelly Tietzort. Um, she, she rocked my world when I met her. You know, she, she left Tulsa, Oklahoma because God told her to, and she went to Reynosa, Mexico, and uh, she went to bring Jesus to people who live in Boys Town, a three-block uh, area of hell there where the cartels run um, crack bars and drugs and prostitution. The government leaves them alone. And so she decided somebody had to care about the people who lived in Boys Town. See what I mean? Robin Hood. The hellhole 
of the earth. And a little girl from Tulsa, Oklahoma goes because she's going to bring the light of the gospel into Boys Town. But they wouldn't let her in. The cartel guards the gate. So she marched around it for two years. But in those two years, you know what happened? One of those cartel members started tracking her, following her. And uh, she felt that was pretty ominous, you know. And uh, one day um, he stopped and said, what in the world are you doing? And she said, I'm praying. And they struck up a friendship and he started to watch out for her and protect her. And um, one day she said his name was Kilo. You get an idea what the cartel does for a living, right? And uh, she said, um, Kilo, can I pray for you? And um, she said, Kilo, God um, is going to do amazing things um, in your life. God is after you, Kilo. And she prayed for him. She said, you know, it's slick back hair. He had on these uh, reflective sunglasses. And as she finished praying for him, she said tears were rolling down his cheek behind those uh, sunglasses. Kilo got the door open for Kelly to go into Boys Town and minister to the women there. This is, this is us. This is our mission. Bring darkness, bring, bro, bring healing wherever there's brokenness. And what else does it say in the confession is that the church's mission is to prefigure God's kingdom, right? To prefigure by, our, by the quality of our life together, we are to give a picture of what is to come. In other words, if a person said, I wonder what it would be like to be with God, to be in heaven, to be in eternity, I wonder what it would be like, they go to church and they discover what it's like. We are to be a demonstration project, a place that people come to encounter what would it be like to try it on for size, right? Um, and how do we do that? We do that by the quality of our life um, together. The, the church is an early indication of the future consummated kingdom, a place where people come to experience, you know, the curse of Babel has been lifted. We do life together, right? That's the picture. That's what our souls crave together. Do you know perhaps all, the most anguished cry in, the, in, in modern moviedom was uttered by Tom Hanks in a movie. You remember what he cried out in, in sheer, utter anguish? Wilson! Wilson! And what was Wilson? A volleyball. Because he was stranded on an island. And because man cannot thrive alone. He painted a face on a volleyball. He, he created a person out of a volleyball. And he did life with the volleyball with Wilson. Sporting goods, Wilson. And then one day in a storm, Wilson got washed away. It's the longing, the deep longing. You know what the gospel does? It creates the beautiful community. It restores us to each other. We don't do life alone. We were made to be a band of brothers. Frodo doesn't make it without the fellowship of the ring. Dorothy doesn't make it without the scarecrow, lion, and tin man. The beaches of Normandy weren't stormed by one person. God's family does life together. We eat, we play, we travel, we dance, we drink, we cry, we serve each other, we pay for each other's kids to go to camp, right? We dance at each other's weddings. 
We hold each other when they retch through the horrors of chemotherapy. We are family. That's why when a worship service is over, you don't race to your car to get out of here. Because when worship is over, that's when church starts. That's when the family takes care of each other, reconnects, enjoys each other. You know, imagine a man who worked out of town and he blows home um, after being gone all week, comes in, the dinner's on the table. He said, I love my family. I love being with you guys. Awesome. He eats the food. And then he says, hey, I'm going out with the guys now. See you guys later. Out of there. Right? And as he leaves out the door, he said, nothing like family. Well, he hadn't done family. Right? He just got a little nourishment and he's out the door. Well, that's what a lot of people think this thing is on the weekends. Let's go get a little spiritual nourishment. Then, bam, I'm going to make a beeline. I've got a little thing on my phone that tells me the quickest steps I can make to get to my car. Um, you know, we're here for each other, here to connect. Um, love the church. Love my family. There's a mail carrier in our church that... Um, some elderly people um, in her um, route that um, couldn't get out to the grocery store, so they would put their list in, in the mailbox, and then she'd buy them groceries, and when she came by the next day, she'd shove the groceries in the mailbox. She said, don't tell anybody that. It's illegal. <laughs> she goes to this church, and I love that. These guys in our church, they call themselves the, the, the DR team. You know, they take care of uh, people. And uh, they're just driving through the neighborhood one day, and they saw a tree down across a fence in a yard. And uh, they thought, well, let's just stop in. And they went up, and they knocked on the door, and they said, do you want somebody to get that tree for you? She said, uh, who are you? And uh, they just said, we're just people who go around and, and take trees up for people when they fall on their... Um, and she said, well, I got somebody out here gave me an estimate. It's $2,000. I can't afford it. And they, they said, would you like us to take the tree up for you? Well, what did it cost? It won't cost anything. Um, she started telling her story. You know, my, my husband died. I can't keep up with this place anymore. And, and who are you? You see, they're, they're just emissaries of Jesus. I remember thinking, I love the church. I love the church. Um, I called Harry Austin this week. Harry Austin was a man who came mostly on Saturday night with his wife. He sat right where Seth's sitting right now, and he sat right next to the Dickert seat because you can't really sit in the second row because the Dickerts will make you leave. Um, <laughs> well, that's their row. But they sat by Harry Austin, and uh, this guy now, he's got to be in his 90s. He moved up to uh, uh, Indiana to be with his family, and Harry just told me, he said, you know what changed my life? He said, when the Dickerts took me in. As a part of their family, it changed my life. You know what? I hear that and I say, I love the church. I love thy church, oh God. Her walls before thee stand, dear as the apple of thine eye, engraven on thy hand. The church of Jesus, it's the greatest love story there is. Don't you want in? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us a mother in the church. Thank you that you work for broken, messed up people to form something beautiful. 
So Father, would you even in this place create a, a beautiful community that is a refuge, a place of rest, a place of healing, a place of hope, a place where we cheer each other on, a place where we pick each other up, a place where we um, enjoy each other, a place where, um, where people who would walk in this place would say, here is what my soul has always longed to experience. Do it, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.